And welcome to the show here on CAUT 89.5 FM. This is The Green Majority. Uh, I am uh, one of your hosts, Stephen Hostetter, in studio with Dave Hostetter. Uh, and on the phones right now, because it is CAUT 89.5 FM's annual membership drive, The Sound of Your City. Got some great sound effects going on. Uh, that's the kind of budget that we are looking for. Seriously. <laughs> Uh, so if you want to call, the reason why Saren is not doing this read this intro uh, is because Saren is currently on the phones. So if you want to call Saren uh, and let them know how they feel the show and then also give us money, uh, that would be fantastic. You can do that at 416-946-7800 or one 204 8976 Of course, the 888 number is toll-free. Uh, and if you are a millennial, uh, you can do this online and avoid talking to anybody. Uh, which is often a everybody loves talking to people on the phone. It's true that is a is a especially when they you can, can complain to a communist pinko like Saren Kaster. Exactly. So call the number, complain to Saren, and then donate online uh, <laughs> just to prove a point. Uh, again, cut dot fm. Click donate, and you can donate. Make sure that you, of course, say uh, that the Green Majority is your favorite show, even if that's a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, just say it anyways, because uh, it helps us out. And, uh, and some prizes. We'll get to the prizes a little while later on the show, but we want to start with the value of this show, which is keeping you informed about the slowly, exceedingly burning planet. Donate now. Nice. Thank you very much, Dave. Uh, so we are starting the story. The show begins with California and moves on to a couple other places. But uh, let's start with the news. Uh, and while you listen, maybe go to CAUT.FM, click donate, and give us some money. There has never been a better time to donate to community radio. Thanks so much. So <clears throat> I will uh, begin now. Will I? Yes, you shall. I shall. So uh, California, Stefan, yes. uh, as we're all learning, is uh, still ablaze this season and will continue to be as one of the recent fires called the Camp Fire has become the deadliest wildfire in the state's history. Close to 300 people are still missing and at least 59 people have been killed uh, statewide in the recent blazes. A quarter million people are evacuating and some victims have been reduced to bone fragments. Residents in Sacramento... <laughs> Wow. I just saw Stefan's uh, expression when I said the word bone fragments. Yes. Uh, uh, well, we, we've definitely switched tones very quickly on this show <laughs> from like just having a good time, letting everyone know that they should donate to the worst fire in California's history. So a yes. bit of a tone change. I just wasn't fully prepared for it. <laughs> Residents in Sacramento, L.A., and the Bay Area are being warned against spending time outdoors because of the smoke. President Donald Trump, whose administration is covertly predicting catastrophic global warming of 4 degrees Celsius by 2100 and doing nothing at all about it, blamed the fires on poor forest management and threatened to restrict federal aid. Indeed, the the densification of forests in order to increase logging capacity has exacerbated many fires, but the president of the Pasadena Firefighters Association responded to Trump stating, quote, the fires in Southern California are urban interface fires and have nothing to do with forest management. Strong winds and historic drought are contributing to this round of fires. Governor Jerry Brown blamed climate change and said that California must learn to adapt to what he called, quote, the new abnormal, which will cause, quote, things like this and worse. Climate scientist Glenn McDonald told Democracy Now! that it is possible that such fires could increase by as much as 77% by 2100. 
Kim Kardashian and Mr. Kanye West were able to protect their home with concierge firefighters, a service for which they were heartily thanked by their neighbors. Hillary Weaver writes for Vanity Fair, quote, Other California residents, meanwhile, are relying on the thousands of firefighters who are California prison inmates being paid $1 an hour to fight fires and who are often denied paid work as firefighters when they are released. Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple pieces here, obviously. Um, the first is that it feels like it feels like the new abnormal, uh, which is a relatively good phrase, which I will mm. give Jerry Brown credit for. He's been uh, stewing on that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, is... Is, is 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 important to note because I think what we're, we're entering this world which feels like you get you know you have hurricane season and then it's fire season and then it's drought season like it, it, we're getting to a point where the time of year is being dictated by the type of natural disaster that we are experiencing mm. um, and and that that appears to be like an overwhelming thing that is now occurring occurring to us um, but specifically on these fires like. It feel every year we have a we have a new set of fire stories and they're all they're getting they're getting worse each time we have to talk about it. But I want to zero in on this fact that we have to or that that this story includes Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. Uh, only briefly to point out the fact that the the two the sort of two contrasting things you did there at the very end with the California inmates being paid one dollar an hour and the richest homes in the neighborhood being protected um, points to what climate change will re- the fallout will really look like. It, it looks like the rich are able to protect their houses with 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 advanced uh, protection and, and more money, and 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 the poor people will find themselves on the front lines trying to actually fight the fires, uh, and and that that distinction um, is only going to get worse as things get more, and and especially when you get to think when you start opening up the conversation of what insurance for these houses will look like, you know who knows how much money um, th- that that it costs to insure one of these houses against fire. Perhaps like it like exists in um, in southern in in some parts of uh, Texas and Louisiana where you can't even get your house insured at all for flooding. I would be would not be surprised if that's sort of what's happening in California with these fires. And so that become that takes away the number one wave of wealth creation for people uh, for the average person uh, because they're because they might be putting all their money in this house and then it can be gone in an instant. Whereas you know. Kanye West is hanging out uh, with his house perfectly fine, surrounded by by firefighters, um, and and that and that distinction is 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 is, is stark, um, and 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 let alone the idea that you still have this is all happening again. I say this every time, but I cannot get it out of my head. This is all happening in a state which has a three strike rule, which basically puts a ton of people in jail for minor offenses. And then uses them as one dollar an hour laborers to fight these fires, and that's considered a good work, uh, despite the fact that they are now then denied ability to actually for these to do anything later, and 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 so it's just these are the these are the ways that this increasing uncertainty and weather uncertainty will will continue, um, is that you will continually get these 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 worsening inequalities caused by climate change, uh, and. And, and that's, keeps, that's, that's, that's the truth. And the question is what we're going to do about it. Uh, and at, luckily, I think the, the next story we've got lined up is at least the beginning of perhaps some reasonable pushback uh, on, on these issues. Um, but I will say, once again, that we are on the sound of your city, CIUT 89.5 FM Drive. So you can call. So you have 10 minutes left to talk to Sharon Kaster before they enter the studio and leave the phones. Uh, you can call them at 416-946-7800 or toll free at one 888 
204-8976. So if you want to talk to Sarah and Casey, you have 10 minutes before we go to break and they enter the studio. Uh, So do that. And, but Dave, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about a, a, a bit of a, the, some waves being created by, uh, by some new, new Congress people. You apparently have lost your mic there for a second. Try it now. Am I, am I, am I back? No, we have lost your mic entirely. So let's just, I, so I will, here we go, let's give you that one. Uh, and while we're, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about the uh, Ocasio-Cortez and the Congress people that are, that are, uh, that are doing this. Yes. Uh, there we go. Nice, nice deep voice there. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so, so we were talking about uh, the Congress, Congress go. Yes, on the uh, airwaves, nonetheless, Stefan, of a uh, good, wholesome, community-funded radio, CIUT 89.5 FM. You're really showing off your radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, so uh, as you um, mentioned, the newly elected left-wing firebrand Al- Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is already proving her activist gumption by joining in an environmental sit-in demonstration in the office of Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi on Tuesday. The demonstration was organized by the group Sunrise to put pressure on the Democrats to take action on climate change after having retaken the House of Representatives on the 6th of November. Waleed Shaheed of the group Justice Democrats, which also joined the protests, stated, quote, Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic Party leadership must get serious about the climate and our economy. Anything less is tantamount to denying the reality of climate change. The hopeful part is that we're ushering in a new generation of leaders into the Democratic Party who understand the urgency and will help build a movement to create the political will for bold action. The activists want, want, to, uh, want Pelosi to empower her environmental committee to develop a 10-year plan to make the U.S. economy carbon neutral and are calling on Democrats to no longer accept donations from fossil fuel companies. Ocasio-Cortez told The Intercept, quote, The way things are done has not been getting results. We have to try new methods. She also said, quote, There are so many different progressive issues that are important, and climate change and addressing renewable energy always gets to the bottom of the barrel. That can't get kicked from session to session, and so what this just needs to do is create a momentum and an energy to make sure that it becomes a priority for leadership. Yeah, and what was inspiring to me about this about this protest uh, was, you know, people, there's a whole fight about whether or not this is democratic infighting and whether or not that is the reasonable way of doing this. Um, but if it's going to need this kind of pressure to get something done, given the scale of the problem, and also it it got it at least somewhat up leveled the term Green New Deal. Um, and I think for those for those people who are may not aware of the of the term or the, of the idea, it is basically a a catch all uh, to my understanding um, uh, phrase to, for an idea that would that would c- connect uh, the the recreation of 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 in infrastructure in the United States uh, surrounding it being in, uh, carbon neutral and 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 or at least de- dramatically decrease in carbon, uh, while also providing jobs and 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 a new a new guarantee for people's for people's lives. Uh, so it sort of combines the two uh, the two big needs right now of, of, of reducing income inequality uh, and and bringing and bringing our world into the twenty first carbon uh, neutral society it needs to be uh, all in a sort of grand grand plan uh, in some ways it, it of course mimics the New Deal that was brought up brought in uh, in, in 
shortly after the, I want to say the second, second, shortly before the Second World War or after the Second World War. Yeah, in a response to the Great Depression by Mr. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Exactly. Um, and so, and so that so that'd be before the third, Second World War. Uh, but but yeah, so that's the thing that like that is the that there's a similar type of experience going on right now where you have rising income inequality uh, and you have these sort of other social issues, including including climate change now as an added bonus. That's why it's that they add the word green to New Deal. Um, and and it sort of wraps them all into this solution of like, okay, well, let's hire a bunch of people. Uh, who who need jobs and pay them well and pay them to to rebuild the infrastructure of the United States um, and and I'm sure if you if you follow the news you understand what a massive overhaul of infrastructure is needed in the United States let alone whether or not it's done in a green or or carbon neutral way uh, it, that is totally separate from this from you this need I believe I said Theodore I meant FDR of course Delano Roosevelt was the final two initials on him but it's FDR ah, who turns around at the Great Depression and says uh, maybe we should simply help the poor now <laughs> and everybody else was like okay fine yeah uh, I'm sure the history buffs, if you have a slightly more nuanced opinion of the New Deal, no, uh, call in to CIUDA 955 and donate to us while telling Saren that we're wrong about history of the New Deal. Um, but but that's what this that's what this sort of push is happening. This, this push is incredibly important because, like, I don't think anyone is under the illusion that in the next two years they will pass this kind of legislation. Uh, there's no way like, to try to get this through the Senate and and through Cong and, and through Trump, um, given the given the fact that even at the at the new um, when an exit polls of, of in from the 2018 election we just passed, they said that the number one issue was health care. I think the number two issue was immigration. The number three issue was, I believe, was income inequality or something like that. Uh, and then, and then, so climate change wasn't even on the map uh, with this election. And you can understand why, given the given the context of the scenario. But that, but the, that fact that that it's not on the map, and yet, uh, where environmentalists are making waves this early on into the before even you know even before these people are even elected into Congress, uh, is is really important. Um, and it speaks to the possibility that perhaps by 2020, you might actually see a president running on uh, on a version of this. Um, now, again, you sort of see, I think Obama was a good example of you run on, I will give everyone health care and you get Obamacare, which is a weird uh, zombie version of that sort of hacked together, uh, maybe more Frankenstein version of that um, uh, hacked together. But but it was certainly better than it was before. And I, and I think that this kind of pressure now is really necessary to be able to set the stage for potentially that kind of effort in 2020. And, and given the timeline the IPCC report gives us, uh, it's, it's, it's required. Um, and, and specifically required because I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding about how uh, and why this uh, this system works the way it does, uh, or or sorry, how and why the the twelve years is so important? Because a lot of people are saying is we have twelve years to act, when in reality it's we have twelve years to have acted. Um, I believe that the IPCC said we had to reduce our current emissions by fifty percent by twelve years from now. So it's not that we can just in twelve years pass a green new deal and then we'll be okay. If that happens, we're still we're still really in uh, in the in the weeds. Uh, and still, and very likely, still tipping over well beyond uh, what we can do. It's that we need to have found a way to have halved our emissions by then. So the action has to happen now, uh, or at least very, very quickly. You know, basically, they give us, if, if twenty thirty is the timeline looking at, then you're looking at three election cycles uh, for the United States and three election cycles roughly for Canada, and and that is 
that that has to be the lead conversation. It has to be one of the leading conversations uh, mm-hmm. for this for this for this move. Well, if you if you want a little bit of context about uh, about uh, what it means to have a green new deal, that would be great. Uh, Mr. Noam Chomsky repeatedly throughout Bernie Sanders' campaign described him uh, not necessarily as a classic socialist, but as simply as a, a new dealer. Hmm. So if you look at if you look at um, Bernie Sanders' policies for uh, lifting people out of poverty and uh, redistributing um, societal wealth, uh, go, going towards those who are but more fortunately towards the masses who are helped creating it, who are in fact creating it. Uh, Chomsky described that as a New Deal um, outlook. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, what's, what's funny is, is, is how far, not funny, but it's funny, sad, is how far the, the right wing has managed to pull the idea of what a socialist is. And so you can really say, I want capitalism, but with limits, and you'll be called a socialist. Because uh, anything but just pure unfettered capitalism, uh, while of course still giving subsidies to fossil fuel companies, because that is a part of capitalism. Apparently, is is propping up uh, a fading oil industry. Well, someone's got to fund those patent laws too. Right. Yes. And then the someone's and then fund those. And then the and then not to mention the the idea that you know pure unfettered capitalism still requires us to ensure that coal miners have jobs, <laughs> uh, as coal miners specifically, um, which is certainly a certainly a concern. Uh, but yeah. So the, the measures that that roughly are included in the Green New Deal, and we'll go to break right after. Uh, right after talking about these these measures specifically, uh, is basically uh, that they want a government-led investment in energy and resource efficiency, uh, as well as reusable, ener- reusable energies uh, and micro-generation, uh, which is interesting. That basically is very similar to what we had here with the Green Energy Act um, and and a lot of the work that tr- that the that the utility here in Ontario has actually been trying to get with, with regards to resource efficiencies. Um, the second one is a low-carbon infrastructure redevelopment in order to create jobs. So that is really just taking a lot of the infrastructure, infrastructure especially probably hydro lines or, or power lines, uh, because that's a huge part of this work, uh, in using that to de- in order to create jobs. Uh, the third is a direct tax on the profits of oil and gas companies, with proceeds being invested in renewable energy and energy efficiency. Uh, the fourth is financial incentives for green investment and reduced energy use, including low interest rates for green investment. Again, a lot of this has, are things that we did see in Ontario at one point. Uh, the fifth is a re-regulation of international finance, including capital controls and increasing scrutiny on financial derivatives. Um, which is uh, obviously that's the more of the New Deal part of it than the green part of it. But man, if you want to find something ridiculous, look into the history of financial derivatives uh, and how big the derivatives market is. Oh, so there is yeah. something about the banks in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's, it's got a number of things. Um, but yeah, the derivatives market is a terrifying reason that we're all going to go down if everything else doesn't happen first. Um, the, the sixth one, I believe I'm counting right, uh, is curbing corporate tax evasion through compulsory financial reporting and by clamping down on tax havens. This this is the thing that people say all the time, uh, and it's unclear whether or not they always are, whether or not it's very hard or whether or not people don't actually care, um, is, a, is a constant question I have on that one, but important, obviously. And the last one is a global Marshall Plan initiative using green quantitative easing to create money to fund the great transition uh, to society free of fossil fuels and other measures to aim to preserve the global bias, preserve the biosphere. Bold. Yes. Uh, that was obviously the, the, that sort of is one of those ones I think that's like slipped in there, but probably is actually the largest actual ask and need to do, um, given how much money would be involved in that position. Um, that really is just creating a 
ton of money uh, and putting it into the economy to, to do this work. Uh, so those are the, that's their ideas. Um, and and that's, what's good about that is that that conversation is at least happening and starting to happen already, even two years out from when it even possibly could be done. Uh, so again, uh, Saren's going to come in after this music break. Uh, so you can talk to one of us, I imagine, on the phones if you call in after the break. Uh, the number is 416-946-7800 or toll free at one 888 204-8976. And of course, if you are like me and want to donate online, you can do so at ciut.fm and click donate. In uh, all of those ways, and all the ways, the main thing is to do is that once you do that, is to tell them that your favorite show is the Green Majority, uh, and then you will have you will have donated to us, and we would greatly appreciate it. And in the station keeping... can afford some new microphones. Yeah, exactly. We can get some great new things or preserve the things we have, because uh, that's the green <laughs> way of doing it. Dave is preserving the way we have. Repair is more important than new production, and this, of course, is CAUT a nine point five FM, the sound of your city drive. Megan, what do we got for music? Welcome back. I can't even tell if I can hear myself. <laughs> I think you're listening to the Green Majority. Oh, there. Wow. Yeah, you are. Now I can hear me. Now everyone is listening to the Green Majority, including us. Stefan, did you know that I am here in the building? I did. Some of our callers knew. It was really nice. I love I loved talking to callers. It's great. I wish we had a call-in show, but then it would just be all like, so what's new with you? <laughs> we'd just be like really chatty. Yeah, exactly. We wouldn't get into any of the hard-hitting news action that we do so often. No. Either that or people grouching at me <laughs> um, for saying ridiculous things, which I do occasionally. Yes. Uh, but it's, I hear you've had a great news uh, day here, and uh, I want to thank everyone who's already called in. So just really quickly, so you and I are going to take a stab at some news here for a few minutes. Uh, but I just want to take a moment to thank uh, Gerard, Mark, John, Janice, Rebecca, and uh, those of you who are on the phone right now, I'm sure, for all your wonderful uh, and very, very appreciated uh, donations. The station is currently sitting at, Stefan, are you ready for this, $39,658. Wow, so you're saying someone could call in and be the person to tip us over $40,000. Well, that's what I'm saying. We get the honor of potentially having someone during our show tip the 40K mark. Wow. That's pretty awesome. So uh, uh, you can call in with a $400 donation right now if you want to make sure it's you <laughs> yes. or, uh, you know, there'll or, be opportunities over the next 30 minutes. Yes, exactly. I, I, I think that I think that uh, that if I think you should go 400, I think you should just come in, go with the $400 route. Uh, well, you, you know what you you know what you get for that is that you have the sheet in front of you there. Is it four hundred or is it five? It's five hundred. There so you go. You can give us the five hundred dollars and you get a membership and you get to host a two hour radio program with guidance from CIUT staff and programmers, uh, and you have the access to all the station's facilities to piece together their very own two hour program, uh, and they will have access to CIUT music libraries and other radio station resources. Uh, so you can be the one tip over forty thousand dollars, and then you can make an entire show celebrating the fact that you were the person to rip put over forty thousand dollars. And Stefan, you're forgetting the best part of that which is that every year we promise that if somebody actually does that during our show, that CIUT resources includes us. Yes, that's true. So did you have you ever wanted to uh, berate us in person for an hour <laughs> and we can't say anything about it and we just kind of have to sit there and take it? You can do it now for calling in with, for $500. I, I imagine they have to have some content on this show you beyond verbally, just insulting us. verbally abuse us as long as it fits our CanCon uh, requirements uh, <laughs> for an hour if you call in now with $500 donation. Exactly. Uh, so someone did once give us $500, but then they didn't take us up on that offer, which is a perhaps Bizarre. the greatest insult yet. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm not kudos even to them. Bother. So let me just re let me do the numbers one more time. Then after we did all that, and uh, and then we'll get back to the news. So the, if you want to call in now, your local four one six 
946-7800. If you like 888 numbers or you're not local, one 888 204-8976 or more than likely because it's 2019 almost uh, CIUT.FM and then there's a giant donate button you can't miss it uh, the, there you can do credit cards uh, as well you can also call in with your credit card number uh, Megan is now on the phones you can talk to Megan if you like uh, and now uh, let's get back to some news yeah let's do it <clears throat> thanks <laughs> it's always great <laughs> That's what every news uh, every news um, show in the in the country should just begin with that. No music. Just someone clearing their throat, ready yeah. to give them the news. Yeah, great. Canadian scientists Stefan are finding that glaciers in the Yukon are disappearing faster than expected, stating, "quote We've never seen this. It's outside the scope of normal." I'm assuming this would fall under Jerry Brown's new abnormal, perhaps. Indeed, the North is warming uh, at twice the rate uh, as the rest of the globe. One of the researchers, David Hick of Simon Fraser University, stated, quote, When I first went to the St. Elias Range, it felt like time travel into the past. What we're seeing now feels like time travel into the future. Because as the massive glaciers are retreating, they're causing a complete reorganization of the environment. The quickening melt is causing water distribution disruptions in the lowlands, and dust storms have begun to kick up due to the dryness. Just last year, the Slims River in the Yukon went completely dry as a result of melting glaciers, stranding migratory fish and preventing them from reaching their breeding breeding ground. Higher altitudes in general are tending to be warming more intensely, and 80% of the ice in the Rocky Mountains is is expected to disappear over the next 50 years. That's 80% of the ice in the Rocky Mountains is expected to disappear over the next 50 years. The authors of the Glacier Report uh, believe that such early warnings are an opportunity for early mitigation, for some reason, and one of the co-authors made the strange statement, quote, never before in human history have mountains been revered as they are today. They meant this as a hopeful indicator that something may happen to improve the situation. I I appreciate their optimism. (laughs) I I might argue that at other points in history, mountains have been more revered than they currently are. (laughs) Uh, I would say the amount of garbage currently being strewn upon them uh, by by the human might be an indication. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, Olympus springs to mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There are many examples, I would argue, uh, of some solid old mountains. uh, But but the story itself is still more important than just being confused by these people's uh, affection for mountains, uh, which that this is obviously yet another sign of of the times uh, of the warming planet and of the many 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 ways that this will impact the earth you know it's not just like there's one thing or two things it's that there are just this overwhelming number of ways everyone's life will be impacted in some way oh it's going to be very shocking yeah, and I think like and what's really shot will really what will be really shocking will be the moment when it sort of just really happens. You know, the moment that like one of these larger tipping points hit. But we have lots of news, uh, so let's get on to climate change. A uh, new study published in Nature uh, is showing how climate change is affecting the intensity of hurricanes in terms of rainfall and wind speed, stating, "quote Relative to pre-industrial conditions." Climate change has so far uh, so far has enhanced the average and extreme rainfall of hurricanes Katrina, Irma, and Maria, but did not change tropical cyclone wind speed intensity. In addition, further anthropogenic warming would robustly increase the wind speed and rainfall of 11 of 13 intense tropical cyclones. The study shows that climate change intensified the rainfall of Katrina, Irma, and Maria 
between 4 and 9%, and that it could increase rainfall for future storms by as much as 30%. Wow. That is that is in many ways important for many reasons, but especially because recently, actually, uh, if you remember the last couple of hurricane stories that we've covered, one of the major impacts was it was it, while they were stronger than they expected. But the one of the, the biggest unexpected consequence was the amount of rainfall, the the in the and the, the fact that they that these that they they've actually slowed down their movement as well. So the rain is actually not just coming harder maybe during the time, but also it's it's taking it longer to move. Uh, and so the, they're getting more rain. Uh, and so the rain was actually the most damaging part uh, of these um, of, of these hurricanes previously. Except for the one that went uh, ripped through Florida, the last one. Well, r- right. The, the, no, I'm not saying that there wasn't also wind. I'm saying that what was more unexpected was the amount of rainfall that a lot of these, that I was imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, but, hurricanes are still windy. Yeah, but that hurricane didn't actually didn't actually stall and drop a bunch of uh, rain. It just ah. destroyed with wind. Oh, okay. That particular hurricane. All right. So but it's true. The others are dropping Separate from Michael. <laughs> separate from Hurricane Michael. Uh, thank you for fact-checking, David. Uh, we've got Sarnia now. Uh, so Ontario, uh, Stefan, is still not fixing the problem of the toxic death-scented air that pervades Sarnia and the surrounding area in what is called Chemical Valley, the highest concentration of petroleum and petrochemical refineries in the country. Near one shell refinery, the cancer-causing airborne chemical benzene was found to be 23 times the accepted provincial health standard, which is not legally binding, but it is an accepted provincial health standard. Global News, the Toronto Star, and the National Observer exposed last year how industrial leaks and chemical spills happen consistently with few consequences and no alerts provided by the city. Since then, certain data collection measures and graduated technical improvements have been implemented, but many companies are still failing to keep to the standard. In a baseball field in the Amjanong First Nation that sits in the very center of the industrial complex, benzene levels were 12 times higher than the health safety standard for a full nine months. Environment ministers are taking some action on these issues, but seem to be doing so at the rate only at the rate that journalists uncover the problems, and residents are still not being notified when chemicals are being released at high concentrations, and members of the Amjanong uh, still have to conduct their own tests and provide their own community alert system. Hydrogen sulfide emissions, for instance, are still pluming up at any given time and causing breathing problems, burning eyes, nausea, and headaches, with nothing but an apology from the companies responsible. An extensive study has been planned, finally, to determine what specific kinds of health impacts the refineries are having on people in the area. So the one of the one of the major uh, pe- pe- people working in working on this or trying to or looking into this or, and trying to hold the Ontario government accountable sort of over um, over years and over over governments would have been the Environmental Commissioner of Ontario, specifically Diane Sachs. And and those of you who are uh, up on the news knows that that was one of the things that Ford cut yesterday. What did uh, he cut? He cut the entire Environmental Commission of Ontario. They are really? no longer exist. Just cut them out. They are now gone. They've well. If you ask them, they have been looped into the one ombudsman position. Uh, but he, they, there was they had a staff. They were they were reports. This was a 
particular thing that they paid attention to and reported on. They call they had a big call last year about this exact issue, working trying to get the trying to get the Liberal government the time to fix it. Uh, they were responsible uh, to to push this this issue forward within sort of government structures, um, only to have at the time when they finally got a report and started looking at it uh, to be entirely cut uh, by by Doug Ford. Does so, Doug Ford hate hate poor people or? Uh, <laughs> I, I think we're not allowed to have that opinion. I think that opinion would be, uh, that would be... Just uh, asking questions. Right, just asking questions. I, excuse me, I have to cut in here. I'm pretty sure there was a disclaimer at the beginning of the show <laughs> the, saying yes. that we are in fact allowed to have opinions. <laughs> um, it's just that they are not necessarily shared by the radio station. Right, that is fair. Um, but 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 this is this is the thing, right? This is a example of uh, a government, the liberal government, uh, you know, spent dragged its feet on this for an incredible amount of time, uh, was pushed by a the importance of these kind of positions that are sort of external from pol- external from at least like from 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 political parties, and their purpose is to hold the uh, the governments accountable. This is exactly the scenario where they're the most necessary, uh, and so to have this moment in time, uh, be, these two sort of things coincide is why these. Problems perpetuate. You know, the, by the time that the that that a, a a a another government comes back into power that might pay attention to these type of things. You know, given the just just overwhelmingly lack of interest in government oversight that the Doug Ford uh, government has uh, has shown so far, um, is 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 concerning, and it's why we keep failing these nations. You know, it's, it, the reason why we keep failing these 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 places and these nations and these people is because the. The, the governments that do that that say they care do not act quickly and the governments that don't care then actually set you back a couple years every time they come back into power and and so if you are if you are the if you are the next government of Ontario um, take this issue seriously and solve it on day one uh, you know put the money into it to begin holding these companies in account and put put your money into to these other things and then if you're a human being right now listening to this show um, and wondering what you can do to sort of fight and help these people uh then look at like go to the uh, the there's a uh first nations there's a uh look at google chemical valley and look at the organizations working on that issue here uh because it is it is the thing that we need to be paying attention to to get real action on the on these on these sort of it's a what's interesting and not interesting but what's unfortunate about this is that it's simultaneously not just there's sort of a historical uh uh, environmental uh, racism perspective with the mercury that still exists in these nations, and then an ongoing, currently immediate problem uh, of of these chemical uh, of these chemical nations here that are that are already still in place. And so there's there's this sort of there's a variety of uh, of, of ways in which these people are are being you know persecuted is sort of a sort of act, is a way to make it sound as if it's not so direct, but really like this is the this is the creation that we've done. This is what we have done and set up. Um, and so. You know, it's when people talk about the importance of environmental racism and environmental justice, it is it is the fact that this could not be happening in Toronto. Right. Chemical Valley is in Sarnia, out of sight, out of mind. Um, it's not even in Sarnia. It's outside, just outside of Sarnia um, in a way to in a way to. And then obviously the, the scent still comes in Sarnia. But it is it is far enough away from us that we can just ignore it. And and that is the problem. The problem is that the the places where people have the have the capital to fight these things, this is that's not where they end up. They end up in uh, in in these in, in these poor nations in these in this further outside of these areas. And 
and the only way we we do this is if we pay attention and and actually that we in the the more urban centers actually pay attention to the hardships that are going on in the other places. Uh, and so that is that is why that is why it is important to to care about other people, uh, which is a shockingly I feel like uh, it, it is shocking to me that that is a radical statement. I just want a strong man to tell me things are going to be okay. Right, exactly. Well, luckily we have someone a strong man to tell you things are okay, and also fire everyone who might tell you otherwise. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Uh, we will go to our next music break. Uh, you are listening to CAG eighty nine. Point five FM. Uh, this is, of course, our sound of our city drive. You can donate at ciut.fm. Click donate or call us at 416-946-7800 or toll free at 1-888-204-8976. That's all we got. Sarah, what are we listening to? Well, uh, we're going to be listening to, uh, this is, I don't want to take credit. I, I'm, uh, I'm averse to taking credit for other people's hard work. So this is uh, Megan's music prick. She has chosen Idols of Exile. Uh, the song is Brownie Hawkeye. And just the very last thing before we go to that, I will tease that when we come back, I have a special uh, offer. Ooh. One time only. Surprise special offer uh, I'm going to tell people about. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Take this opportunity to use your computer. Go to CIT.FM. Make your donation. I will tell you the awesome thing that is going to happen when we come right back. So we'll be back in a second. It up at the sky. You just let the shutter fly. And we're back. Oh, I meant to fade that out, and it was a little harsh, but there you go. Sorry, right. you know I was pretty good last week. We can't yeah. be perfect all the time. That's true. So I am your host, Aaron Kaster. I'm in the studio with uh, Dave and Stefan. Megan's out, uh, sitting by the phone, taking her calls. This is the fall. Is it fall? I guess it's fall. It's de- well, I think it's still fall, even though it, it is fall. snowing outside. It yes. seems like some sort of weird midwinter m- weather. But uh, anyhow, it's the fall of Membership Drive. Uh, and uh, as usual, I like to try and have a special Green Majority only offer thing. This isn't really because it's not a prize. So you don't have to. Here's the thing. This is my style. You don't have to donate. Oh, wow. But you could. You don't have to donate. Everyone benefits, Stevan. <laughs> Everyone benefits. You get uh, a car. You get a car. Yeah. This is just how we work here. Okay. So I, I promise you I wouldn't take more than like four minutes. Yeah. So I'm going to tell the listeners what it were really quick. If you're a regular listener, you know that I've been in uh, programming school. I'm doing a web developer school. It's going really well. I'm doing quite uh, well in the program, and I really, really enjoy it. An upcoming homework assignment, Stefan, is to do something called uh, web scraping, ah. um, which I will not explain. Uh, but basically what it means is that uh, I'm going to be creating my own API, which uh, basically is going to do uh, news curation. So what it's going to do is it's going to scrape the Internet for news, uh, I won't explain how it works, uh, although I'd love to because I find it super fascinating. Uh, but basically, it's going to create a website that is going to help automate some news curation about the environment from reliable news sources. Uh, we will then nice. integrate that into our show production, Dave. So this will be a tool that will directly help you mm. uh, and the rest of our team. But I'm going to make it publicly accessible so that anybody can go there. And what it's going to do is it's going to cut it down just to environment stories from trusted news sources. Uh, and then hopefully I'll be able to make it so that the individual person who goes to the website can refine it from there, right? So if you want to see stories about pipelines only from renewable news sources, uh, maybe only a specific pipeline, but you want to go back two years, uh, theoretically that will be possible. Uh, So that's coming. Not a charge for it. It's going to be free, and you don't even have to donate. The only thing we have to do is have a show in three months <laughs> for me to attach it to. Right. So that, that's just how we roll, folks. That's what's going so on. So we Back just need the their help to right. donate at caut.fm. That's click, right. click donate or call 416-946-7800 and help us still have a show. 
in uh, in three months for this uh, great tool. Yeah. All right. So we got some news, uh, Dave. Let's uh, let's head back to the news. We got three stories left, and I think we can make it all of them. So let's go. So continuing on the theme of um, breathing chemicals. Ah, great theme. Love that the, theme. Uh, oh yeah. The World Health Organization is reporting that over ninety percent of all children in the world are breathing toxic air. Obviously, adults live in polluted areas too, but children are more at risk from air pollutants since they're closer to the ground, where the pollution is thicker. Adorable. Just, just the cutest. <laughs> they're so short that they have more pollution in their lungs. Just the cutest. Dr. Tedros Adamon, Director General of the World Health Organization, said, quote, Polluted air is poisoning millions of children and ruining their lives. This is inexcusable. Every child should be able to breathe clean air so they can grow and fulfill their potential. The first World Health Organization Global Conference on Air Pollution and Health was held two weeks ago. In the UK, most urban places still have illegal levels of air pollution, and governments are continually failing to do anything about it. Air pollution is now causing more deaths globally than cigarettes. Dr. Maria Nira, the World Health Organization's Director of Public Health and the Environment, Air pollution is stunting our children's brains, affecting their health in more ways than we suspected. The solutions are a basic public health agenda that will have plenty of benefits for public health and the environment. No matter what else, we know that we need to decarbonize our society sooner rather than later, and the benefits for, of that for our health and our economy are indisputable. Honestly, I, I, the fact that children are, are shorter and absorbing more toxins is should be enough that we should maybe we should do something about this um and it's 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 fascinating how many different ways in things that that are it's it's hard to sort of know which one we should really pay attention to but i think a part of it should just be like a lot of this comes from the same types of actions right a lot of these toxins come from trying to create a, a way too much stuff way quickly too quickly with and as cheaply as possible um and all of those things have to stop uh if we are going to uh transition to a world that is that is safer for everyone uh and that is that is not causing climate change um and 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 it's interesting that the this this obviously is a somewhat different kind of air pollution but all of the air pollution stories that sort of come out now um whether it's whether it's you know the people in Sarnia having having these petrochemical plants sort of causing air pollution. Whether it's you're in California uh, and the fires are literally meaning you can't go outside. Uh, whether it's in Beijing and 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 that the uh, that the congestion car congestion is making it is making it so hard. You know w the cities and density are becoming are really sort of beginning to and this is obviously a bit more, but are beginning to mimic what first caused the you know mimic the you know, London of the of early on in the. Uh, in the in the industrial revolution, you know, when when coal fat when there were sm small coal factories everywhere in in, in London, uh, that these that were creating these urban centers that are becoming increasingly uninhabitable, and, and the solution has to be uh, to stop doing that. Um, and, and like like I, and then someone will be like, but the economy, and it's like children are the the brains of children are being impacted um i'm not sure like i'm not sure the economy gets to be the gets to be the you know the the savior here in in when when you were talking about such like 
I don't know. There doesn't seem to be another version of this where you're where someone's defending the idea of, of that the children that the development of children's brains is not worth trying to manage and protect. Uh, I hope there aren't many people in the world who would who would fight that battle. Especially when the word economy also means how much money can the uh, Ayn Randian um, um, business uh, people uh, accrue simply to have enough freedom to put it wherever they want. Well, exactly. Yeah, you, you're not allowed to own a mega yacht and not care about children's brain development. Uh, that's a it's a rule I have. Uh, <laughs> it may be only me, but I have that rule. Um, well, Stephen, uh, all, all of these, uh, when these young people grow up, these uh, people that now have uh, mental disabilities and, and defects due to all the uh, intense amount of pollution are going to need jobs, right? So you have to make sure if you, if you impose regulations that protected their health now, they wouldn't have jobs later, right? So it's better that they get poisoned and sickened and many of them die. Just uh, so they have jobs in the future. Because then at least they'd be employed. Right. Mm. Right. Because employment is the only va- only good. Yeah, like right. those little chimney sweeps in uh, in, uh, right. pre- no, in no, industrial London. No, right. Those little, those little boy fingers yeah. that would just crawl through those chimneys. Well, all right. That is, I'm not happy now. We're going to transition. That's, that's the other meaning when they say efficiencies of scale. That's what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very small, small children. children. Right. <laughs> climbing up and down chimneys. <laughs> Well, that, yeah. Well, th- we are now basically recreating the uh, the the plot of the movie Snowpiercer. Uh, so, if you want to, if you want to ruin that movie for you, there you go. Uh, well, our next story, Dev. I don't see how that relates to Snowpiercer. The children are. I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't want to ruin Snowpiercer. I'm not gonna ruin oh, Snowpiercer yeah, for our audience. Uh, watch Snowpiercer if you want to see. It. I don't know that movie. I got it. I got it. Uh, Tilda Swinton is great in that movie. There you go. Uh, so, uh, food insecurity. Uh, strongly linked to climate change is seen by many experts as a major driving factor in increased migration northward from South and Central America. This is regards to the caravan that everyone suddenly stopped talking about. Typical explanations for recent mass migration have tended to highlight bad free trade agreements and that have worsened poverty and corruption, or an unending supply of guns from the United States which fuel drug wars which are in turn fueled by Americans' appetite for those illegal drugs. But what often happens is that people are forced to leave home due to climate-related crop failures and then find themselves extorted by gangs in the cities and then migrate north to avoid being attacked by criminals. So the reported reason for migrating becomes gang violence, but the original reason is often related to environmental justice. That, that, that is true, but a lot of things. That is, you know, there was that story a couple of years ago about sort of the, the origins of the, of the war in Syria, even. Uh, beginning with beginning with climate change. Yeah, I remember, um, I remember we covered that, and it was it was quite an interesting story. I think we spent most of a section on it because there it it, it was. Uh, it, I remember there being a much more direct causal chain than even I imagined when I saw the article. Yeah, yeah, like, it did feel know, like it was going to be. You see the title, you were like, yeah, I'm sure there's a way to connect these. And then you read them like, oh, okay, no, that's pretty straight up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, I believe the understanding was that their farmers' fields are becoming no longer usable because of climate change. And they sort of forced them into the cities, which then sort of led to... led to. Where was this? Uh, this was the... I believe that... I'm one is, I it was would, Syria. It was yes. Syria. It was yeah, definitely it was Syria. The, yes. the war in Syria. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so this is like... Environmental justice is... is, is is will cause this type of thing unquestionably, um, and and the more the, the harder you make it for for people to live in in the place they want to live, the more likely you're going they are going to be forced out, or they're also the more likely that that, that these the people who are there will find more and more uh, violent ways to to exert control over a, a populace that is trying to just live, um, and so environmental justice has to be a part of everything, uh, and that is and that is why. Uh, but we've got one last story, and it's a it's a it's a, it's a longer one, and I want to get to it. So, let's talk about some soy. Argentine author Uki Goni published a lengthy report in the Guardian in October, 
exploring the environmental costs of soy farming in Argentina. He found that the country's northern province of Salta, which houses a large area of the Gran Chaco forest, the second most important forest in South America behind the Amazon, alone has lost 1.2 million hectares over 20 years. Uh, he writes, quote, Since 1996, when the government authorized the introduction of the genetically modified soybean, Argentina has cleared nearly a quarter of its native forests. Much of that newly cleared land has been turned over to the soybean crop that has been critical to Argentina's cyclically ravaged economy. Beans are used, the beans are used mainly for fuel and animal feed, which most, with most of the product being shipped to Europe for farming purposes, as Argentina is Europe's biggest supplier of soy-based animal feed. Half of the soy meal in the UK is grown in these deforested areas of Argentina. Such deforestation is not necessarily legal in Argentina, but the crop is so economically important that regulations are not well enforced. On the topic of European sustainability, Mighty Earth has reported, quote, There is no legal requirement for companies to document the geographic origin of their soybean or provide evidence that it has been produced legally. As such, it is currently impossible for European companies that source from these traders to ensure that the soybean they're buying has not been produced through deforestation. So-called sustainable and locally produced meat and dairy products in Europe are therefore disingenuously labeled, since the protein that the, animal, that the animals are surviving on is produced unsustainably on the other side of the world. Glenn Hurowitz of Mighty Earth states, quote, Consumers who want to know where products come from and want their food to be produced in a manner and want their food to be produced in a manner consistent with their values. We've made great advances regarding traceability of soybean from the Amazon, but we have been blind to the deforestation happening in Argentina. And as always and forever with our globalized colonial wealth extraction machine, it is the local indigenous who are the first to be sacrificed, with one indigenous Salta local stating, quote, We used to hunt. Uh, we, used to, we used that forest to hunt and collect fruit. People from other communities got honey there. Now life has become impossible. Soy makes up almost a third of Argentina's exports, and after an economic crash in, 20, in 2001, Argentina had to spend a lot of its soy-based economic resurgence on paying off debts to the International Monetary Fund. The country has taken another economic hit recently, and so will probably not make big steps to restrict production of its most important staple. Certain moratoriums and regulations were put in place earlier this year, but companies have tended to simply pay the associated fines rather than scale back their activity. On top of the deforestation of biodiverse and carbon-consuming forests, as well as indigenous people's land and livelihoods, soy farming in Argentina also contaminates water sources and reduces soil quality. Yeah, so this is actually a, a, a good follow-up to the to the interview we had last week about superfoods, uh, because soy is, I think, one of perhaps the first things that someone maybe that wouldn't call superfood, but I think had that trajectory of of Western nations being like, oh, this is a thing, we should buy a ton of it, uh, and then and then going out and doing so. Yeah, it's, it's not classified as a, as a superfood, even without, as we discussed, a lack of clear uh, definitions of superfoods. Definitions, <laughs> but even within that, it doesn't really fall within it. It's not right. it's not particularly or even necessarily marketed as uh, nutritious. But I, where you're going with that, if I can uh, lay it out, was the idea that. <clears throat> Uh, it was promoted uh, quite heavily as a replacement, particularly around people to avoid dairy. 
Yes. Uh, so I, yeah. So I think it fits into a similar category, but for a different reason. I just yeah. To exactly. I, I, I am also personally. I, I should add also as a as an admission, uh, a huge consumer of dairy. I don't drink milk. So. <laughs> a huge consumer uh, of soy. Excuse me. I drink a lot of soy. Yes. And I eat a lot of tofu. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing, right? It, I, the it it's similar in its impacts on the sort of the greater world. But um, all of this all of this soy farming is not because of vegetarianism. It's no. in fact because of meat eaters. Right. It's in, just to feed those animals who are producing that meat and dairy. Right, right, it, right, right. If you want to make sure that Dave keeps chiming in and making sure to put blame on meat eaters rather than vegetarians, <laughs> call in now to 416-946-7800 in the last few minutes here. We have about five minutes left in our membership drive. You can also go one uh, 888 or CIT.FM. Uh, there will be a space for a note and you can say, thanks, Dave. I got your back too. Yes, back to back to the news. Uh, four minutes, guys. Yes, um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Which is which? I think is something. The other that's the other part of this that's important to note is is the fact that um, that the that the meat production does come with this entire sort of secondary model, um, and and that and that eating meat uh, has this secondary impact. Uh, well, it actually has impact on both sides, actually. If you, especially when you look at factory farming, the impact of the manure create, created by these farms is 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 incredible uh, and and difficult to maintain and deal with. And on the flip side, uh, when you're talking about the sort of how much destruction is required to feed these animals, um, is is obviously as this story sort of shown important. And and it's not just soy, right? I would the amount of which say the destruction that comes from the corn industry, uh, and and the fact that of how much the corn industry in the United States is propped up by by government um, to largely again to then either become glucose fructose or to feed animals um, is is another another part of this sort of this whole system of destruction um, which is a weird way to describe the food industry but I think it is at this point um, you know especially when you think about even things like you know this is in Argentina but the deforestation in, in, in South Africa in South America sorry is um, is unbelievable uh, and it's caused largely by this requirement to not only f- have the animals but to feed them. Um, and so, and so, while some of these get sent to the UK to say like, "Oh no, it's this. This is all local because it's from local food uh, or local things," it still has this impact. But also, there's just like the amount of play, uh, of, of 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 deforestation for for grazing of the cattle in 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 in, in these uh, in these South American countries is it's it's the number one cause. It's it is a massive reason why that this is happening. Um, and so like it, I guess what this is a, yet another reminder, I guess, uh, to, to look slightly deeper than the headlines on, uh, and slightly deeper into any of the things that you're purchasing, uh, about, about before you sort of decide it is, it is, it is all good. Uh, cause even local food can have sort of global impacts, uh, quite often. Uh, so with that, I'll make one last pitch. Uh, well, I'll throw to Sarah to make one last pitch, if you like, uh, to donate to CAT89.5. Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, let me wrap it up here. So a reminder, uh, 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 if we still have a show in three months, which it looks like we're, we're looking good here, but uh, a little more never hurts. Uh, a little more never uh, hurts if you uh, if you want to. We'll have that uh, app ready. Also, if you're if you are a web developer and you'd like to be involved in that program, I will let you be involved after I publish it because I have to get graded first. I don't want to cheat. But then afterwards, if there's any <laughs> web developers out there that find that idea interesting and want to cooperate, please you can reach out to me now. I'm just not going to accept your help until after my assignment gets graded. <laughs> uh, and other than that, thank you so much. I want to thank very much our uh, donors. I don't have an updated list uh, in front of me, so if you called in the last few minutes, I apologize. But we do know about Jared, Mark, John. 
Janice and Rebecca, thank you so much. Uh, I'm not quite sure we hit the 40, but we definitely put a good dent in it. So thank you so much to our donors. Thank you so much to our listeners. You can still donate online uh, for a few more days still if you missed the show uh, or if you're listening on the podcast, ciet.fm. Other than that, thank you so much. Have a great week, and uh, it was our pleasure. We'll see you next week.